Liran Hirschborn here, your host of the e-commerce mindset show. I uh, just finished doing an interview with Gary Wong, who is running a virtual summit called the seven figure seller summit. And we talk about the learnings he's taken away from interviewing over 30, uh, I'll put in quotes experts. Um, you know, uh, everybody today is an expert, but 30 people who, you know, have had experience, um, and learned through their own uh, experience in building businesses in the e-commerce space from people like Greg Mercer of Jungle Scout to, you know, Eitan Wiener, who has uh, grown and sold and exited a business. And, um, you know, people that have really had success and are sharing those learnings um, through the Seven Figure Seller Summit. So in this episode, we talk about some of the biggest takeaways that he he's learned through these interviews. The episode is sponsored by incrementumdigital.com. You know, we're just seeing uh, tremendous growth in our uh, in Amazon advertising um, and the ability to really scale products through the use of Amazon ads through the power of video ads. Um, the the episode before this one I recorded um, is about using sponsored brand modifiers, um, something we just learned and are starting to use in our campaign. So if you haven't listened to that, listen to that episode. Um, and if you want help in growing your business through Amazon advertising, reach out to me, Liran at incrementumdigital.com or visit the website. That information is in the show notes. Enjoy this episode of the podcast. So today on the show, we have with us uh, Gary Wong. Um, Gary is a uh, veteran e-commerce seller. He's been uh, he's been in the e-commerce space uh, for some time. He's been featured in Jungle Scouts, Million Dollar Case Study, Web Retailer, spoken at you know events around the world, um, and is also the founder and host of the Seven Figure Seller Summit. Um, and today, you know, uh, we're going to talk about uh, a lot of the you know learnings that Gary has had from interviewing. Uh, not just in this summit, you know, 30 plus uh, speakers, but over 80 speakers across um, three of these e-commerce summits that he's done. So uh, welcome to the show, Gary. Thank you, Liran. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, for for coming on. So, yeah, maybe, um, you know, for those that don't know you, you know, how did you get into e-commerce um, and how did you go from just kind of selling to you know, doing these kind of virtual, uh, virtual speaker events. Yeah, definitely. So, um, quickly my story, I was born and raised in the States. I'm from LA originally. I went to school at USC and, um, I first got started e-commerce in the mid two thousands. I started selling on eBay. So, um, that at that time, eBay was like the Amazon of today. It was like, you know, the biggest platform. And then um, I started selling in like women's shoes. So that that's how I got my start. I like to say, I tell my friends, like I was like the, the online Al Bundy, if uh, you guys mm-hmm. remember that, that TV show back yep. in the nineties. So yep. um, if you're, so if you're being, old like me and you, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're kind of dating <laughs> ourselves, but, but anyways, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but 2008 happened. Um, you know, there was the, the recession, global recession, at the same time, there was the Beijing Olympics, and you know I saw China was very exciting. Um, you know I grew up bilingual at home, so you know my family is from China originally. We're second generation. I'm second generation, so I grew up bilingual. I can speak Chinese, so I really wanted to kind of like get a piece of that excitement. And you can almost say I, I had the Chinese dream, you know, like the American dream, the Chinese dream. So I moved <laughs> yeah. to I moved yeah. So I moved to Shanghai in 2008. Uh, I didn't have a job in hand. You know, I, I kind of was still tailing off of the e-commerce thing, like with eBay, there was a dip. Um, and then so I, I made a pivot and then I found a job in sourcing and I, I found this consulting firm. Um, the, the owner was also an alumni of USC, my university. And then that's how I got started in the sourcing world. And then I kind of became like the point person for their sourcing department because I was bilingual. You know, I, I would visit like. Chinese factories, like I've seen like a hundred factories, um, you know, I managed multi-million dollar sourcing campaigns. Um, so I really got, you know, really deep in that. So, um, I did that for about uh, nine years. Um, you know, I got married. I, I thought, you know, what's next? I really, 
you know, I, I had stopped e-commerce after I transitioned. So I, I saw, you know, Amazon FBA was coming up. You know, I was listening to all these podcasts like, um, you know, like Scott Mercer, the amazing seller. You know, I was like checking out, you know, Jungle Scout. And this was about like the mid, uh, like 2015, 2016. So I decided to get back into e-commerce uh, because I was on the ground in China. I knew how to do the sourcing and uh, kind of put those two together. So I uh, started to get back selling it on e-commerce on Amazon in about 2016. And, um, you know, fast forward again to about 2018. There, there's like all these life milestones. Yep. Okay, Liron. So uh, my wife and I just started to start a family. Okay, so uh, my wife got pregnant around middle of 2018. Previously, I would go to a lot of these in-person uh, conferences, summits, like I would fly to Hong Kong to like Global Sources Summit and, you know, meet with a lot of these different e-commerce sellers, you know, learn from them, network with them. And then I think more importantly, just like surround myself, because in Shanghai at the time, I was very isolated in terms of e-commerce, like nobody else was really doing that. So, mm -hmm. you know, it was a cool like way to connect. And then, um, but because we were starting a family, I was grounded. I couldn't fly out to these events anymore. So I kind of was like stuck. So I was isolated and I thought, you know, I don't want to be left behind. So I decided in 2018, why don't I invite these seven figure sellers to, to teach me online and then teach everyone else online. So that's the, the genesis of the seven figure seller summit. That's kind of the, the origin story. So I, I, um, you know, 2018, August, we launched the first one. And then we, at that time, we featured about 20 um, seven-figure Amazon sellers, e-commerce experts to to teach to teach me and to teach everyone else uh, mm -hmm. how we did it. That, so that's kind of the story behind the the seven-figure seller summit. Got it. Okay, great. So, and the 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 seven-figure seller summit um, is free to to join, and you can do that at sevenfiguresellersummit.com. And today, uh, we'll, you know, kind of want to talk to you about. Um, you know, some of the, some of the biggest sort of learning uh, lessons from it, um, just to kind of break it up. Um, you have day one is on the mindset and fundamentals. Day two is on marketing and branding. Day three is on scaling to seven figures. Day four is on profitability and day five is on exits and selling. So um, let's dive right, uh, right into it. Um, why, you know, why kind of, you know, include, um, you know, mindset, obviously, you know, this, this show itself is e-commerce mindset. So, um, yeah. you know, I personally think, you know, mindset is, uh, you know, very important part of, of success, but why, you know, why kind of include mindset on, yeah. on something that a lot of people overlook at conferences or events. It's a lot about, you know, how to do social media or how to rank your products or how to do PPC. Um, yeah. why, why include that? Yeah, definitely. So I, I kind of, you know, I looked at some of the, the different parts of the puzzle, you know, I, you know, after interviewing all of these seven figure sellers, and I found that, you know, there's like a progression or almost like, like a process of building up this business. So I feel like the first part is the mindset, because the mindset of an entrepreneur is a little different than from someone that's working like a corporate job. And I, I think that, you know, you've had, you know, your past experience as well in the corporate world. It, it is different. I mean, in the nine to five job world, um, you know, it's more like there's like the politics, just like checking in, checking out. And, you know, you're not really like, you know, you don't want to fail. Right. So I think that, you know, number one, like mindset, it's kind of like, you know, there's a lot of common struggles that I see people deal with. And then actually, I like to highlight your session, Liron, you know, talking about mindset, because for me, you know, one of the most interesting things that you shared is that you said that failure is not the opposite of success. It's part of success. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then I know that Liron, you know, you share that no entrepreneur's first thing they did was a massive success. You know, it's not a straight line. And then a lot of times, you know, if they fail one thing, they, they can do something else. Right. But the important yeah. thing is, you know, they don't give up. They don't let failure just be like, you know, the finish line, you know, it's just, yeah. it's part of success. Right. And, um, I agree. And in fact, with the majority of the seven figure sellers I've spoken with their main business, I mean, their main success was not their first business. You know, the right. first business was kind of just like learning the ropes, getting their feet wet, you know, maybe, you know, if we take it to like a baseball analogy, maybe it was a single, it wasn't a home run, or maybe it was an out, but you know, they went back up to, to the plate, right. They took another swing at it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah. um, and then, 
you know, similarly, you know, with some of the other speakers like uh, Kellyanne Fidio, you know, mm -hmm. she's, um, you know, she used to work in the corporate world. She, she was a lawyer before. Yep. Um, and then she's a mompreneur, you know, she has a family, her husband, her kids. And then she built up uh, Amazon business up to over seven figures. And then, you know, she shared in her session when she created her brand, there was, you know, a lot of peaks and valleys, you know, there were some up days, there were some down days, there were some mistakes that she made. It wasn't just like, you know, like, a, like a smooth road, right? So I think that, you know, the, the main takeaway, number one, at least for mindset for me was that, you know, failure is part of success. And, you know, it's not a, a straight line to success. Yeah, absolutely. Um, totally. Uh, totally agree with that. You know, I spoke to a, I spoke to a seller today on the, on the phone and um, she's just kind of getting started. She had one product that, you know, didn't work that well. She's now bringing in uh, a second product and, you know, I was kind of talking to her about her business and she's like, look, I'm in this for the long term. You know, I'm not kind of stopping here. This product does well, it doesn't do well. You know, it's not the end, it's not the end of the road for me. And that's a much different, mindset or approach than you know uh somebody who's saying hey i'm gonna give this thing a chance and if this product does well great if not you know some people kind of quit and you know figure out it's not for them um and maybe you should if you know if you know entrepreneurship is certainly not for everybody and i think it could be a lonely and depressing world sometimes it could be it has highs and could be very exciting sometimes and it's definitely not for everybody um but I feel like that mental attitude that she has is like, you know, this one product is not going to be, it's not going to define her, you know, she's going to, you know, continue on. I think it's that kind of mindset that you need to have in order to have the grit to, to push forward. Um, you know, I know you spoke to, you know, uh, uh, several speakers. What, what were some of the, some of the other learnings um, yeah. from, from day one and what can somebody, you know, what, what can somebody expect to kind of walk away with from, you know, coming out of day one and listening to, you know, a lot of these talks on mindset or, or what are some of the, you know, maybe yeah, a couple more nuggets definitely. that, uh, yeah, that definitely. So, um, you know, similar to what you said about, you know, sometimes we feel isolated, we feel lonely, you know, being entrepreneurs, especially right now at the time of this recording, you know, most of the world is still in lockdown and, you know, we're not really surrounding ourselves with um, like-minded people. And then, um, you know, our friend Danny McMillan, he was a, a late addition to the summit. And then, um, you know, in his session about the mindset and the skill set of a successful um, e-commerce entrepreneur, you know, he shared that, um, you know, networking and surrounding yourself with the right people is very important uh, to him. So, um, you know, just sharing his story a little bit. That's why he created the Seller Sessions podcast because he felt isolated in the UK in about like 2015 ish, um, because at that time, all of the major podcasts, all of the major speakers, they were in the US. So you know, Danny actually used his podcast as a way to network with the other e-commerce experts so he could learn from them. So, you know, I think that, you know, that that's a, a great example because, you know, right now, you know, I talk to a lot of people, you know, a lot of times like your family and your friends, they don't really get what you're doing. You know, this whole Amazon thing, they don't understand the whole e-commerce world. Like some people think it's a scam, um, you know, like, you know, I feel isolated at times, you know, my family and I were, we're in Japan and, you know, I don't speak the language and, you know, we can't go back to, to China because of the COVID, um, you know, restrictions. So I think, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, I, I love that quote by Jim Rohn. He said, you are the average of the five people you would spend the most time with. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's another reason why I decided to create this summit because, you know, I could connect with, you know, these e-commerce experts and, you know, make some new e-commerce friends like you, Liron, and then um, at the same time, learn from these people. So I think, you know, similarly, like if, you know, people listening, if they want to, you know, surround themselves with like-minded entrepreneurs, this is a great opportunity. You know, we have over 30 speakers, and then, um, you know, even one of the other speakers on day one, Tim Jordan, uh, he's a successful seven figure seller. Um, he shared with me before that, you know, even some people in his family, like, they, you know, like they still don't really believe in like what he does or, you know, what's he doing? And, you know, mm -hmm. so I feel like even if you're very successful, I mean, there's still it's kind of hard to, to surround yourself with that. So I think one of the best ways is to, um, you know, virtually do that. So I, I think the, the second major takeaway is, you know, surrounding yourself with the right people, um, you know, helping others when, when you can, you know, getting help and also 
um, just you know, getting some accountability. I think that that's helpful for for e-commerce entrepreneurs. Yeah, de- definitely. One of the things I'd done with a friend um, a couple of months ago is we were both trying to achieve, you know, certain goals and do some daily habits. And we made a commitment for a month. Um, we we had this tracking sheet of things we wanted to do every day um, mm-hmm. and how many of those things we did, check them off. And we just like every night, 9, 9.30 at night, we would take a picture, send it to each other. Um, and that, you know, that sort of accountability to somebody else, sometimes, you know, you sort of, you set a higher standard when you need to be accountable to somebody else. You can't just tell yourself, oh, I didn't do it. You know, you have to, you have to say, I didn't do it. And I have to tell my good friend that I didn't do it and kind of, you know, uh, yeah. face, face the fact that I didn't do something that, that I wanted to do. And so, um, yeah. you know, I think it's, um, I think it's great to be able to bring people together and to, like you said, surround yourself with people that, that, you know, bring you up. I had to personally turn off some Facebook chats that I was added to this year, different kind of COVID chats and Mm. people in there. Um, And basically, you know, I felt like I felt bad to leave. Um, like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm too good for this group or whatever. So I just put the group on mute, you know, and, yeah. uh, and didn't pay much attention to it. And all the talk in there was a lot of talking. They're just complaining, complaining, complaining. Yeah. And, you know, there's yeah, so much yeah. you can complain about this year, but there's also so much that you can be grateful for this year. Um, yeah. I think, I think yeah. it's your perspective and how you, you know, the meaning that you give things, you know, I could say COVID, you know, has been great. It, you know, and I can say COVID's been terrible. I can, you know, I think it's yeah, it's your perspective, and and um, you know, the people that you surround yourself and uh, you know, who you spend time with, I think is really, really important. Is there a component of the of the virtual summit that, you know, is there a Facebook group? Is there a component that does bring together kind of people, um, yeah, that yeah, are definitely. that are watching and participating? Yeah, definitely. So. Um, we do have a daily live recap at the end mm-hmm. of every day. Okay. Yeah. So we actually start with the pre-launch, like the live kickoff party. And then that's going to be Sunday night at 7 PM Eastern. So mm-hmm. we're going to invite on some of, um, some surprise guest speakers, and then we're going to introduce the summit, how to get the most out of it. And it, it's kind of a fun thing. And we're going to give away some prizes as well, like an iPad. And, um, you know, I, I say like, you know, BYO like cocktails or, or coffee uh-huh. if if you're in Asia, right? So I mean that's one way to you know kind of network or get to know some of the speakers and get to know some of the others. That will be a live kickoff, and then cool. um, every day at the end of every day we're gonna have a, a live Q and A and recap. And this is something new. Like I, I've never done this before because previously we just had the summit and we didn't have like a daily live. But I think mm-hmm. that you know people want that, right? People want to get some more interaction, and then we're inviting. The speakers to come back. Um, I'd love to invite you to come back on either, um, either at the live kickoff or on you know day one mindset fundamentals on Monday night 7 p.m. Um, okay, great. But yeah, that that would be awesome if you can come. Um, I think some of the others like you know Danny, he's in the UK. It's going to be like 12 midnight for him, but he agreed uh-huh. to come on. So <laughs> nice, it's awesome. So yeah, yeah. So that would be an excellent way for you know people listening if they want to you know, at least like, you know, interact and, you know, maybe get one of the questions answered, you know, from the speaker, or if you're Mm -hmm. stuck, you know, you got like a mindset issue. Um, You know, some of the other speakers, they're like, they want to ask, you know, they want to network with the the other speakers as well. You know, like one of the speakers had a question for Danny, you know, so I'm happy Mm -hmm. to, you know, facilitate that to just like let things grow organically. So, you know, every day we have a live Q&A recap. And then we also have an optional upgrade um, called the all access pass where people, instead of watching live, they can get um, just, you know, like on-demand access. They can get all the videos, they can get mm-hmm. all the audios. And then also we have um, a private Facebook as well, a Facebook group as well for the people that upgrade. Um, and then we're pretty, you know, we try to be active. We can help support each other, a little bit of accountability as well. So um, that, that's what we're trying to do to, yeah, to help people, you know, engage and interact with each other. Excellent. Um, so So let's go to day two, which is, all about um, you know speakers that are talking about um, marketing um, and branding. Um, I know you have some you know interesting content um, around you know um, from yeah. um, you know crowdfunding like you know Kickstarter to 
um, a guy, uh, Alan, um, I think Love, L O V, who. Um, it, sorry, it's I O. It should be I O. Uh, oh, sorry, there's okay, no typo I-O. on his name. Okay, yeah, so yeah. Alan I O. Um, you know, who's who, uh, you know, CEO of a company called Lumi World to Michelle talking about chatbot. So, um, um, you know, what's what's kind of the takeaway from, you know, there's so much in terms of marketing and branding and probably so many things somebody could, you know, focus on and, and implement. Did, were, were you able to kind of extract like, you know, if there were three things that I would focus on in my business or if there was one thing I got out of like, you know, talking to all these people around marketing, what what would that be? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, Probably the number one thing related to marketing and branding to be successful right now, certainly on Amazon, is you need to start a brand. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're a private label seller or, um, you know, how would you, how would you define, how would you define a brand as opposed to private label? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I can, let me see, I can use an example. Um, Alan, Alan Io, for example, mm-hmm. um, he's a seven figure e-commerce seller. He owns a brand in a baby products, right? With Lumi. So he said that before he started this brand, he was um, a wholesaler selling on Amazon, seller, selling other people's stuff. And then eventually he got burned on Amazon. His brand got suspended on Amazon for no reason. I think a lot of people realize that, you know, Amazon, um, they're not that transparent in terms of suspensions. And also mm-hmm. they're like the judge, jury and executioner. They shoot first, yep. ask questions later. You know, I've had right. you know, part of like my product suspended before as well. It's very frustrating. So, um, yeah. so throughout his experience, Alan decided to um, diversify his sales off of Amazon to stores like Home Depot, Target, Bed Bath & Beyond, and then like mom and pop shops across the U.S., and in his session, like he shared the steps and strategies to um, how to take the product he's selling on Amazon to a branding company that's nationally recognized in like these offline stores like like Target, like uh, Walmart. And then this way, having that national recognition um, is very difficult for someone to to steal your brand, you know, in, in a competitive niche. And then um, one of the the first steps that he took to do that is he built a website that was actually what he called um, an institutional website. So this was a little different from like a Shopify store or like an e-commerce site for customer sales. Like the institutional site is tailored to retail buyers and that it showcases his brand in a professional way. Um, It creates credibility and then it makes his business look like a real company and real brand. And -hmm. then he even added like, for example, a 1-800 number um, to look, you know, more, more official. And then he added a physical office location on that website, even though he admitted it was just his apartment starting out to mm-hmm. convey a, a more professional look to, to tailor um, his brand to, to wholesale buyers. So this helped him to gradually diversify his sales off of Amazon and then uh, grow his brand in retail stores nationwide. So, so that's one example. And then another very interesting example is Chad McGillsey. And then he's actually featured on day five exits because he's mm-hmm. a um, you know, seven-figure seller who exited his e-com business in the pet niche. And then his brand story was very interesting um, to me because um, I think in just about two and a half years, he was able to scale to over a million dollars. And then he said one of the ways he did that was by building a, a strong brand and a large audience. And then he actually did this through philanthropy. And then um, he shared that, you know, when he was creating a brand, he wasn't just focused on pet owners. Okay. So he like focused like more niche and that his customer avatar was someone that felt that their pet was a part of their family. Like they literally were a family member, not just an animal. Mm -hmm. And then he even went deeper and then he partnered with a philanthropic cause, which supported pet owners whose pets had cancer. Okay, so the pets had cancer, they needed surgery, while a lot of times the owners couldn't afford it, they didn't have the money to pay for it. So Chad decided to run a campaign where if his customers bought his products, he and shared a picture of them uh, with the product and and their pet, uh, he would donate a portion of the sales to support this cost to support these, um, these cancer, these animals with cancer. And then afterwards, uh, um, you know, once he helped uh, support the, the animals, he shared back a picture of the the animal, um, you know, after 
they got treatment uh, with the customer and then the customer mm -hmm. was like really really happy to see that and then that really engaged the audience and the relationship and then that really you know strengthened his customer loyalty and then that was like one of the key ways chad was able to build his brand and differentiate his brand and then uh eventually exit for over over seven figures because um not only you know is it you know building a brand successful for for sellers is also very important, you know, talking about exits and, you know, we can talk about that later as well. That's the topic of day five. Right. Okay, great. Um, and yeah, you know, I think I agree, uh, as far as building a brand, um, is the long-term, you know, way for success. And, you know, I think the signs, you know, a brand is something that has sort of its own personality and emotion, um, as opposed to just, you know, launching uh, a similar product that everybody else has, you know, um, because it's an opportunity today. To me, that's not so much of a brand until you start creating related products with a certain sort of emotion or feeling that your brand, your products give people. Um, when you start to not be afraid to share what your brand is, um, yeah. as you know, I feel like so many Amazon sellers are, right? I mean, you have Alan, who is from yeah. Lumi World, right? He's not, he's yeah. got his own audience. He's got, he's got his own assets that um, make you not be afraid to tell what your products are to other people. I think that's uh, sort of another sign you have a brand because you have some assets outside of just your, you have an audience, you have people that follow it. You have right. people that, that connect to it outside of just right. appearing in the search results on Amazon. Um, so I think that's, um, you know, sort of an, another, um, another sign. Um, so in day three, right. you, you feature, um, you know, um, uh, some other people I respect, uh, like Greg Mercer, um, Mike Jackness, uh, Nathan Hirsch, um, you know, who all talk about um, scaling. I know Nathan actually, um, you know, so, you know, sold free up uh, this mm -hmm. past year, scaled that business and, and sold it. Um, you know, Greg, obviously, um, you know, talks about Amazon, but group has grown his own, uh, you know, founder of Jungle Scout, uh, very successful, you know, software as a service. Um, right. Mike Jackins as well from Ecom Crew. So what, um, what are some of the, um, what are some of the learnings you had as far as scaling a business or, you know, what are the, what are the challenges that yeah. maybe you don't have when you are selling 10,000 a month? that you have yeah. when you're selling a hundred thousand a month? What are the things yeah. that somebody should be thinking about today? They're selling, yeah. you know, 10 to 20,000 a month. And their goal yeah. is in a year from now to sell a hundred to 200,000 a month. Um, right. It, you know, is it the same skill set and just growing more products or, or does it take sort of a different approach to manage that kind of business yeah. versus a six figure business? Right. That's a really good question, Liron. And, you know, talking about scaling, you know, going from 10,000 a month to, you know, 100,000 a month. Um, one of the big takeaways is uh, you need to hire so you can work on your business and not just in your business. So I, um, I, I pulled like the group of the, the seven figure sellers that we interviewed over 30 people, you know, what was their, their top mistake? And then uh, a number of them, they admitted that they hired too late. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you know, some people said not outsourcing quicker and trying to be like a superwoman, which results in working in your business rather than on it. Uh, another person admitted uh, trying to do too much is still a problem. Um, so I think scaling, and I mean, this is one of the things that, um, you know, like hiring, this is one of the most important things uh, to, to scale a business. And one of the speakers, um, Egla Radik, she's a mm -hmm. seven-figure seller based in yep. Estonia. Um, she's featured on day one. And then she said one of the top mistakes she made on the way to seven figures was not hiring soon enough. So she said that once she realized this, she started to list out anything that, you know, she does that's repetitive three to four times a month. And then over time, this became a list of tasks for future employees. And then she created standard operating procedures. And then eventually she taught them to her hires. Okay. Mm -hmm. So she shared that, that we as entrepreneurs, we are creators and we are always bringing more money in. And she feels that we are hired to bring new money. So we need to buy more time. Okay. We are hired mm -hmm. to bring new money. So we need to buy more time. 
That's why we need to hire people to help us. So mm -hmm. I, I think that's one of the big takeaways. And then also Mike Jackness, as you mentioned, uh, seven figure seller, he runs Ecom crew, one of my favorite podcasts as well. Um, he runs, he has a remote team of, uh, virtual assistants in the Philippines. Like he mm -hmm. actually had an office there. And then, um, you know, he shared that, um, like he actually had his, his manager, um, from the Philippines on his training with him. And then they literally walked through like the list of tasks that, um, he and his team, like um, his team of VAs help him with. So they include, uh, customer service, social media, influencer management, graphic design, photography, PPC, article writing, SEO, email marketing, and reviews management, review management. So by outsourcing these tasks, this frees up Mike's time to focus more time on more valuable tasks that make more money, um, such as, you know, he's looking to acquire another business, you know, he's working on his other business, Ecom crew and more. So mm -hmm. I, I feel that, you know, that's, that's one of the, the big, um, you know, takeaways and, you know, some of the other sellers admitted, you know, they are doing this, but it's not so easy, you know, it's, um, but I feel like, you know, scaling up, you know, hiring, that's one of the, the big, uh, challenges that people face. Yeah. And it's definitely, definitely sort of becomes, um, yeah, you, you take on a different role in the business from doing it all yourself to not being able to do it all yourself and, you know, having to, you know, being basically, yeah, the only way to really grow is through hiring. Um, my feeling on this is that you should hire for your weaknesses um, mm -hmm. and keep doing the things that you love to do. Um, kind of like I think Egla said, you know, um, I think a lot of us are creators. And so you should be thinking about what's my next product? How do I make my products better? What am I, you know, how do I add more value? Um, and, you know, outsource the stuff or hire for the things that maybe don't work, you know, that you can't replicate that way, you know, in your business that, that require your own creativity or your own understanding of what you're trying to bring. And, right. you know, I know personally for me, I'm much stronger on sales and marketing and love sales and marketing a lot more. And I don't feel like I'm working when I'm working on sales and marketing as opposed to working on SOPs or logistics or right. And these are important parts in any, in any business operations and systems and SOPs and training people, you know, these are all really important things, but I think you also have to ask yourself, what do I love doing? What am I, what, what doesn't feel like work to me? Focus on that and hire for somebody. And I think as long as you understand the role of what you're hiring for and kind of what needs to be done so that you can oversee it well and do a good job in hiring, then uh, I think that's kind of the difference maker in having one, a business that you love to be in, that you're not doing the things that you hate to do. Because I just think all of us, right, there are certain aspects to our business that we, you know, much rather hire or outsource or hire an agency or, you know, um, yeah. give, give somebody else to do then, then the, the, and then there are probably a few things that you love to do, um, and why you're in the business, hopefully. And that's, I think where, you know, when you kind of follow your passion of, of, uh, you know, in the business is when you don't mind working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, if you need to, or, um, where you just kind of put out your best effort because it's not a, it's not a grind. It's, it's something you're passionate about. So that's something I've yeah. learned. And, you know, for me, it's been a difference maker in terms of having amazing people that mm -hmm. fill in sort of my, my personal weaknesses uh, slash things I don't love, uh, love to do. So really important, I think on hiring and um, you know, I know there'll probably be several sort of good speakers on talking about, um, you know, scaling. Yeah. Very interesting um, to hear from, you know, Mike Jackness talking about his remote team. I think there's, pros and cons, right, of challenges of sort of managing a remote team and managing Filipino VAs, as well as the benefits of, you know, lower cost. Um, I know um, I had Nathan Hirsch on my podcast, and, you know, I think Nathan had, um, you know, 35 people in the Philippines with FreeUp and one, like, developer in the U.S., and, you know, you could hire maybe seven, you know, six, seven people in the U.S., for the same amount of money as you could 35 in the Philippines. Right. So big, big difference. Right. If you can manage it well and you can do it, you can do a good job. 
and hire well. Yeah. So all that's really, yeah. um, really uh, important. So day three, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, great, some great speakers, Greg Mercer, um, et cetera. Um, so yeah. let's talk about um, something important that I think, you know, a lot of sellers don't truly understand all the costs involved in running a business. So day right. four is on, 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 uh, on profitability. And, you know, yeah. I feel like there's so many aspects of an e-commerce business where you kind of leak money, whether it's on tariffs you didn't know or didn't expect. And, um, you know, increase, you know, basically taking these things into account. Inc- what happens if there's increased future shipping costs? What happens if the price declines across this category of products by 15% by the time I bring my product? Like, do I have enough margin to be able to sustain that? What if PPC costs, um, you know, increase? Um, and then all the, you know, admin stuff, right? If I have to hire, if I have to, you know, as you grow, you start, you're going to want to have uh, bookkeeping and accounting and like all these elements to your business. Um, what was your, what was your takeaway from, you know, talking to, um, you know, some, some people I know there, like Tyler Jeffcote of seller accountant, um, you know, and some of yeah, the, some of the other people that, that spoke about um, profits. Yeah, definitely. And um, I apologize for the background noise. We are working from home and we have a, <laughs> a baby here. So if you hear some noise, uh, apologize for that, doing our best. Um, yeah, That's definitely. Okay. Um, yeah, profitability is very important. But um, one other thing uh, before we, we move on, if that's okay, I also yep. wanted to highlight, um, you know, day three, you know, we have some awesome speakers, like, you know, a lot of people know Greg Mercer, Mike Jackness, Nathan Hirsch. But at the same time, we have some people that not, are not as well known. Um, and then especially in the international markets, because that's one of the other takeaways in terms of scaling your business, you know, mm-hmm. besides the US, besides UK, um, for example, we had Nick Katz. Um, he's um, he's from England originally, and then he's a seven-figure seller based in Japan. And then uh, he shared some do's and don'ts selling to a Japanese customer. You know, it's not just translation. I think that might be interesting to some. And then we also have a seven-figure seller in India, um, Rirun Rastogi. And he runs a seven-figure uh, business mm-hmm. based in India. He talks about the Indian market and then how he sources from Indian suppliers as well. So I think... That might be interesting for some people that, you know, yep. to learn from some of these people that, you know, don't have a big audience. But, you know, at the same time, I think, you know, it's, it's good to get those perspectives. But, yeah, let, yep. let's definitely like, uh, unpack profitability a little bit. And then, as you mentioned, Tyler Jeffcoat, um, he's yep. known as the seller accountant and he works with a number of seven and eight figure Amazon sellers. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, from the accountant perspective, even though they're not direct sellers, they really have their finger to the pulse because they're working on yep. so many, you know, businesses. They, they, they kind of know, the, like they see the truth, yeah. right? Yeah, um, exactly. You know, you could be a seven figure seller, but you know, maybe yeah. you only have a, a $50,000 net income, you know, exactly. Um, if, exactly. if you're, you know, if you're not, you know, sort of maximizing and then you could be a seven figure seller and have, yeah. you know, a healthy, two or three hundred thousand um, dollar right you know net income in your business and um so you know yeah i think um you know when i talk to my cpa it's like man amazon charges all these fees you know like they see yeah. the truth of kind of like what's behind you know running yeah. running an e-commerce and, and specifically an amazon business which yeah. you know does carry with it its own set of fees and yeah. charges etc yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's like that, um, the Peter Drucker quote, whatever gets measured gets managed, right? right. So if yep. you're not measuring your profits at the, other, at the end of the day, I mean, you could be in the red, even though you have a seven figure business. So, um, you know, Tyler, he really gave a great overview about what the top 10% of seven figure Amazon sellers are doing to boost their profitability that, you know, a lot of people are not doing. And, you know, one of the the, the takeaways I like to share with you now is that, um, you know, when I asked for common mistakes that seller, seven figure sellers made, um, he said that many of them don't grade and fire their SKUs. They, he, they don't grade and fire their SKUs. He warned um, that you should be careful of silent killers or products that keep you in the red. In other words, watch out for products that you sell that are not making money, but actually losing money. So he recommends that sellers, um, if, if they don't have a, 
a bookkeeper at least have a tool with a dashboard to monitor your sales and your profits and your losses. And then if you find a SKU that's underperforming, he recommends putting it on probation and try to rehab it. Okay. Try to like turn around its negative behavior where you look at ways to try to improve its profitability. And, um, you know, after the probation period, if that doesn't work out, he says that you, you gotta be brutal, man. You gotta, you gotta kill it. You gotta put it out of its misery so that it can still, it can stop killing your profits. So, um, that's one example. You got to grade and fire, uh, your SKUs. Yeah, that's a great, um, that, that's a great point because I find that from my experience, sellers hold on to losing products for too long a period of time, praying and hoping that things will turn around. Um, you know, uh, my thing is, you know, if in three or four months you're not getting traction, you're, it's, it's still an uphill battle. Yeah, you got to cut it loose, liquidate, sell, get as much money back as you can and, and move on and just recognizing, yeah, not, not to really be too emotionally attached uh, to a product, especially one that you didn't have, you know, des- you didn't design a patent, you didn't invent something. You shouldn't be as emotionally attached to it. And uh, when you launch five products, if, if three are, if three stick, I think that's a win. Not, not every, not every product, despite data and everything you do is going to be um, a winner. And there's, you know, there's going to be the 80, 20. So I think kind of pruning your bottom, you know, your bottom worst, like, like you're saying here and just facing sort of the reality, um, you know, of how things work. And, you know, I think is, I think it's just smart. Um, You know, I've had, I had a seller approach me, you know, in the last month and they had this product that's not, doing that great and they're like you know do you recommend you know maybe i'll put ten thousand dollars in the next month on ppc in this product and i'm like no just liquidate the product you know it's not getting traction you know it's not it's not you know just just kill it and i I think sometimes it's hard decision but like you said i think you need to look at things sometimes from an outsider's viewpoint right it was like what would you do if you weren't you know kind of attached uh attached so that's a great takeaway um what else, what else did you find in terms of profitability is right. important for sellers to, to know? Yeah. So, I mean, a couple of things, um, there, sometimes there are certain fees that a lot of sellers are not aware of just because, you know, we're just so busy running our business. We're taking care of our families. Um, so for example, uh, Yoni Mazur, he's the co-founder of Gatita mm-hmm. and, uh, he's a former seven figure seller as well. And then he really went in depth about how to use Amazon reimbursements to get the maximum mm. money you can get back to lower mm. your, your cost of goods and to increase your profits. And then in, in a study that they did, they found that about, um, you know, among all of the Amazon fees, there's about one to three percent discrepancy where Amazon may overcharge you in terms of, um, you know, like, like pick and pack fees. Like sometimes they mismeasure the size of your product. I mean, this has happened to me before. Um, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes when you create a new shipment, they may undercount the inventory. If you ship in like a thousand units, they may only count 980. And then you have to be proactive to file a claim with them. So, I mean, um, in terms of Amazon reimbursements, I think a lot of people are not really aware of that. And sometimes they're just so busy, they don't take advantage of that. But, you know, getting that money back, I mean, that's a, a direct, you know, um, add to your bottom line profits. So that's one thing. And then, Another tip is from uh, Kenny Sang. He's the he's the managing director of Ping Pong. And then if you're selling internationally, um, I actually made this mistake the first year I sold internationally. Where if you go the easy way, if you use Amazon's default payment transfer service, like let's say you're selling, you know, in um, like UK and you you have your UK revenue, if you like use Amazon to bring it back to the states in US dollars, they're mm-hmm. going to charge you about 3.9% in fees on that. And then mm-hmm. like, I, I didn't know about this until the end of the year. And then like my bookkeeper was reviewing my numbers. I'm like, Oh man, I, I lost like thousands of dollars to, to Amazon. I mean, like, you know, one of our excuse was a six figure business, right? I mean, 3.9%, mm-hmm. that's like thousands of dollars. So if you, I mean, one of the, the quick takeaways is just use a, a third party payment processor. They can cut that down to about 1% or even less. So that's like another like almost 3% boost to your bottom line if you're selling internationally. So right. I mean, th- those are quick, two quick tips that, um, that I got from that. 
And, um, you know, someone also, you know, that's not a seller, but is actually um, an author, Elaine Pofelt. Uh, she's uh, she's the author of the million dollar one person business. And then she interviews a lot of uh, e-commerce, you know, one person, like one man, one woman shows. And then she also, um, you know, shared about what people are do doing during COVID. I mean, there's like, you know, offline businesses, like maybe people who are, you know, they have like a mom and pop, like offline retail store, or, you know, um, one of the people that she interviewed was like a yoga instructor. And then during mm -hmm. COVID, they had to close the studio because people couldn't come in. Right. So yep. they were able to quickly pivot and then create an online uh, Zoom yoga training uh, course. And then they they actually had like a bigger month, like their biggest month ever, you know, making that pivot during COVID. So I, I think that, you know, obviously, you know, like what you shared earlier, the run, I mean, with COVID, there's so much negative, you know, news and, and stuff going on. Um, so I, I think that, you know, just surrounding yourself with, you know, people like the, the speakers on the summit, you know, people like you, I think, you know, people can at least you know, get some inspiration and, you know, mindset to help boost themselves, you know, to, um, you know, to help themselves, to help them, fa their families as well. So, um, yeah, definitely recommend uh, you guys to check out Elaine's session as well on day four. Great. Um, and so let's talk about, you know, the final step. I know you interviewed a um, friend of mine, um, Kellyanne Fedio. Um, she's been yeah. on the podcast too, um, talking about uh, Amazon exits as well as, you know, several other, um, several other uh, speakers you, you mentioned, um, uh, Chad, who uh, had a pet business and, and sold, um, Eitan uh, Wiener, uh, who I know um, uh, has been associated with like Prosper Show and exited his business. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. What was the what was the the takeaway? I mean, you know, how do you know maybe when is the best time to sell? Um, you know, is now a good time to sell? When is the best time yeah, to sell? Yeah. You know. Yeah, um, e-commerce yeah. e is growing. Okay. Like, did you did yeah. sort of discuss those challenges that come with, um, you know, being in the fortunate position to be able to say, okay, it's time to sell, or when is it the right time to sell, and how to go about yeah. that that process? I know you also had Corin, um, Woodmass, yeah. who's a who's a, a broker um, that helps yeah. people sell, uh, as well as Chris. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, be interested to hear kind of your takeaways as far as the process of uh, of selling. Definitely. So on day five, I tried to get multiple perspectives. So, you know, with all of those speakers, we had you know, people that exited their businesses for like seven figures. We also had uh, Peter who exited his business for six figures, um, which was a little different. And, you know, he shared both like the, the positive and the negatives, you know, in terms of killing the golden goose, so to speak. Okay. Um, we also have perspectives from, um, you know, Chris Schipferling, you know, he is from an M&A advisory firm um, and also, you know, Corin from a, a brokerage uh, perspective. So yeah. the number one, so first off, in terms of the, the whole marketplace, um, I learned that there is a mad rush of investors to the windows of e-commerce, according to Chris Schipferling. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's partner at Global Wired Advisors. He works yep. with many seven and eight figure businesses. Yeah. Uh, he says since COVID-19 began, there's been a rush of investors trying to get into the world of e-commerce because in the PE and investment world, these investors, they're heavily leveraged in traditional bricks and mortar stores. OK, so now as everyone is forced indoors, shopping is going from offline to online. There's a tremendous lift for e-commerce. This includes industries like health and beauty, air filtration, working from home, et cetera. Um, certain industries are suppressed, including travel, obviously, but this is just starting to happen. So there's a lot more interest from the um, investment side to get into e-commerce. And he says it's just starting to happen right now. When it reaches the tipping point over time, demand will increase, supply will fall. Okay, so we can see like there's getting to be more interest from the investment side. And then uh, a couple of quick tips, ways to like, you know, when to sell. So you asked, right? So mm -hmm. um, uh, Kellyanne Fidio, uh, Chad McGillsey, and uh, several other speakers agree that having a, a track record of consistent sales is one of the prereqs for boosting your business selling price. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry for the background noise. Um, no problem. Okay, so this ranges from having at least 12 months consistent sales to up to three, two to three years. Okay, the longer mm -hmm. the better. Right. Okay, so that's number one. Uh, a, another way to boost your business selling price is um, the more top line revenue or cash flow you have, 
the more this will open up potential buyers. So according to Chris Schipferling, $1 million is the absolute minimum EBITDA or earnings before interest, tax, and depreciation that you need to get sophisticated buyers to wake up. And then once you hit the 1.5 to 2 million range, this will open up more buyers. And then $3 million is a different story as, as you will attract another level of buyers. Okay. Uh -huh. So, um, so you might be thinking, how, how do you boost your EBITDA? Right. So he said, uh, you can boost this by having the proper financials, actually knowing your operating expenses, as well as lowering your Amazon tacos and general cost of goods sold. So, um, you know, having, you know, these initial milestones reached, this will significantly boost your e-commerce business selling price and attract the attention of more sophisticated buyers. And um, I, I don't know if we have more time, but, um, yep. you know, in terms of setting a clear goal for your business, I, I think that that was very um, surprising as well. Did you want me to share about that? Yeah. Like a goal for, yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. So, um, like many of these sellers said that, um if they can do the whole thing over again, okay, mm -hmm. um, they would have had a clearer goal for their build business in the beginning, whether it's built to sell or to have more of a, like a cash cow business to support their lifestyle. It's very important to decide from the beginning. Okay. Right. This is kind of like hindsight is 2020. Um, if you know what I mean. So yep. if you want to build your business to sell it, there's some important things to consider from the startup, from the initial setup of your business. For example, uh, you know, Mike Jackness, he shared that uh, when he exited his business, his brand Color It for a seven-figure exit, um, he had all his brands co-mingled in a single Amazon account and not in separate companies, not in separate accounts. And he said um, during due diligence and before the sale, he had to separate them. And it was a major pain in the butt to do that. And yep. it probably cost him about um, 0.5 multiple like a 0.5x mm. more. So it actually hurt his selling price. So um, it, he gave the advice to himself, if he would do it again, uh, he would separate each brand into a separate LLC and, and separate Amazon account to make them more transferable if you do decide to sell it off. So um, right. that's one of the things. And then if you are building a business to sell, um, one of the key one of the key takeaways is you got to build a moat around your business. Okay, you got to build um, you know, something to prevent you know, think strategically how you can keep your competitors away from penetrating your business. So this can range from, you know, having proper trademarks, patents, uh, you know, brand protection, as well as, you know, creating a brand like, you know, what, what Alan did with uh, Lumi World and also creating an audience that you can sell to. And, um, you know, people say creating a brand is like bringing a gun to a knife fight in the game of e-commerce. And then, um, you know, thirdly, having the right business planning from the beginning if you want to sell it. So this includes having a, a product roadmap, uh, a marketing plan, channel diversification, even liability and product insurance. Um, you know, like product roadmap, for example, you know, buyers, they don't like to see like just a hero product that's generating the lion's share of your sales and like mm -hmm. some like minions around it. They want to see like, you know, product portfolio that makes sense. You know, it's a common, you know, target audience. And then from the buyer's perspective, it might be strategic for them because maybe, you know, they, they have like the assets, but they're missing this. They have a gap in the market and they, they acquire your brand. They can immediately add value because they can fill in that market using your audience. So, you know, this is all related to creating the brand and these, you know, these factors, they will help tip the scales in your favor when you do decide to exit your business someday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a lot of takeaways, um, you know, from this, uh, uh, seven figure seller summit five day event. Obviously, these are you know just some of the um, you know small kind of some of the nuggets you know that you've um, that you've taken away. Um, and um, you know you can go and sign up and watch the whole thing at sevenfiguresellersummit.com um, and get your pass. And then if people do want to buy the recordings, what's what is the cost to? Because um, I know. I cannot sit through, you know, five full days of talks all day. Uh, yeah, personally, yeah. What's, what's the cost for somebody? I know in the past myself when I've seen some of these virtual summits and I saw some speakers that I might want to make sure I watch, um, I just buy the recordings. Um, it's yeah. usually not, not yeah. too expensive. Um, so what's the cost for somebody if they do want to just, you know, go and buy the recordings? Right. So 
the the investment for the all access pass in the pre-launch is $99. So okay. for that $99, they can have uh, all the recordings, the video recordings, they can get the audios as well. So you can listen to it you know, on your phone, on the go, if you're walking your dog. Um, and also we have that private Facebook group as well. Uh, and some other speaker bonuses. And Levon, thank you for the, the bonus advanced PPC training. I highly recommend everyone to check that out. Um, that was excellent. And then once we launch, then the price goes up to $139. So that's Got for it. the all access pass. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Well, um, uh, uh, this podcast will be, we're recording this on a, on a Thursday night uh, in New York by Friday. Um, this will be out. So you still have a chance to um, uh, hopefully buy the recordings if you like at the uh, you know purchase price. Uh, I'm not uh, an affiliate. I, I don't get, I don't get paid. Um, but um, you know, I imagine I imagine if you, you know, for a hundred bucks, you'll probably get, you know, a whole bunch of value. Um, if you actually take the time and, and watch um, and watch the speakers and take notes and then most importantly, uh, take action, you know, and implement what you learn, um, you know, in your business, you know, sitting and watching, um, sitting and watching is one thing, taking action, implementing uh, is another. I find that when I, um, when I listen to, uh, I learn a lot. Um, and when I, when I, when I want to get the most out of something that I'm learning, I not only pay full attention, but I also bring a notebook and a pen and I take notes. Um, and that helps me to get the most out of what I'm watching and, uh, and learn better and retain information and, and implement. So, um, so great. You know, I know it's a lot of effort to put this together. Um, so appreciate you, um, you, you coming on, um, and generally do you do this kind of event once a year or do you do this, um, more, yeah. more often? It's the first one I I've, you know, kind of participated in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for that advice, um, to everybody. Um, yeah, definitely taking action, not just like consuming. I mean, we, we don't, I didn't do this just to entertain people. I mean, I hope that, you know, people can get some, yeah. you know, just like, you know, focus on one or two takeaways and, you know, that could, you know, maybe add, you know, up to a, a extra zero on your business. So we, I usually do this once a year and uh -huh. actually I, we did this, this edition in less than a year, just because the last one we did was right before COVID and then like everything's yeah. changed, but yeah. you know, they say, uh, you know, COVID has injected Amazon with, like a growth serum it's just like growing out of control right now yep. so i think you know as people are preparing for q4 um you know great way to level up to learn what these other successful sellers are doing so um so yeah that's that's kind of the the reason why we did it and you know it, even if uh, and like i think one of the the last takeaways is that the um, you know creating e-commerce business it's not a get rich quick scheme you know everyone that i talk to they're building a real business, you know, they're putting time into it. Um, you know, like people like Eitan Wiener, for example, you know, he exited his business for multiple, I mean, for, for a lot. Um, but he shared, he's been doing this 10, 12 years, you know, the first mm -hmm. four years, like he, he was barely profitable, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's not a get rich quick scheme. You know, you see like, you know, a lot of the gurus like hawking like their Lambos and like the lifestyle, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. You know, I mean, this is a real business, but I, I mean, yeah. it is like a, a golden opportunity for a lot of people. So, you know, like you know, some people are on the front line of COVID, right? So yeah. you know, they want to create a business so they don't have to put themselves and their families at risk. So I, I do think it's, you know, it's a, a lot a great opportunity for a lot of people. So that, you know, that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, we decide, I decided to do this. Yeah. And I'll, I'll share another nugget. Don't don't follow any guru that's that's in a Lambo. They most yeah. like don't own it. Yeah, they've rented it for for the day for their marketing efforts. Um, and right. actually, a Lambo is one of the worst investments, you know, you can make. You know, uh, people like Warren Buffett, they don't, you know, they drive a Prius. You know, they don't drive yeah. the the real yeah. wealth wealthy, uh, you know, rich smart people. Uh, you know, aren't driving Ferraris. They're they're driving right. you know standard kind of cars. So. Uh, yeah. you know, don't, don't take your advice from, don't take your advice from Lambo. It sounds like your, your child in the background agrees with me based on the yes. response. Yes. Um, yeah. and, uh, yeah, really, really appreciate you, um, you coming on, sharing the takeaways, um, you know, before, before the summit starts, um, and, uh, hope people will join in and, uh, participate in the, in the learnings, um, to, you know, advance your business and learn and, and take action. So, um, thank you so much, Gary, for um, for coming on. 
Um, if people want to get in touch with you, is there a particular best way to kind of follow you, what you're doing, um, yeah. you know, outside of just going to the website? Um, yeah, well, besides the website, sevenfiguresellersummit.com, um, I, I'm, I'm new to Instagram. So if okay. people want to follow me on Instagram, um, my Instagram uh, account is Gary Huang. 8020. So G A R Y H U A N G 8020. If you want to follow me there, or you can email me at gary at 8020sourcing.com. Okay, excellent. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Um, and uh, I will see you uh, probably Sunday, Monday, uh, you know, as the, uh, as the summit gets uh, started. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lee Ron. And um, good luck to everybody out there. And we'll, we'll see you guys at the summit. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If there's any topic that you want covered, um, there's actually a link in the show notes where you can submit a question or just message me, tag me on social media with a particular topic that you'd like to hear. Uh, Let's continue the conversation in the Facebook group, e-commerce mindset, and I'll see you on the next episode of the podcast.